Off Podcast, episode 24. Today, I have uh, Lore with me. Lore, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, sir. And we have Alexander once again. Alexander, how are you? I'm all right. Ah, good to hear. Uh, before we jump into the topic, I wanted to remind everybody that you can visit the website at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. I also wanted to mention that um, we are still featured on the Northern Runes radio um, page. The best way to get to that is just... Google Northern Runes Radio, and a couple of their pages come up. They've done a little uh, restructuring of, of how they're releasing episodes now. But uh, they have a podcast, again, with the RSS feed, and you can find it on iTunes if you use Apple. Uh, so they've, they've restructured a little bit. They've actually even got some stuff up on YouTube. So it's very easy to get to all of their stuff now. And I was actually listening to their how to achieve non-thought and meditation, and then they had a uh, runes meditation on there too, which were both very good. I'm a little behind in uh, the backlog, unfortunately, but um, they've got a lot of good stuff on there, so I would really strongly suggest you go out there and um, listen to them, because they've just got a lot of good information. So just Google Northern Runes Radio. It is also linked from my homepage. Um, but it's just so quick to Google them, and, and you'll come up with that station, and you should check them out. Okay, now that I've gotten all of that stuff out of the way, and uh, unless I forgot the email address, which is hugenhoffpodcast.gmail.com. Again, it's on the website. Today, we are going to talk about how to raise true children, because I'm having um, a kid, She'll be here, you know, uh, not not too far away, uh, around June time frame. So it's kind of an important thing to me. You know, how do you raise your children in a, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in also true fashion? Uh, so that's going to be the topic for today. So I'm going to start with um, any opening remarks from you, Lore? Uh. The thing is, I don't know. Should you even try? I mean, certainly they're going to get aspects of it if you are also true and they're in your life, and isn't that not enough? Should you reinforce it in any other way? Because, I mean, you live it daily. It's not like a Christian who only goes to church on Sunday, but, like, you pattern your life after the lore and what you understand. So I don't see if anything additional from that would be necessary. Okay, Alexander, do you have any starting points? Well, I mean, you're going to have to expose them to other religions because they're going to have to be exposed to other religions, and they kind of need to have an understanding of them, or they're going to be thoroughly confused when they encounter other people and they're saying weird things, like about Jesus and stuff like that. And if they've never heard of it, it's going to be confusing to them. Okay, yeah. Well, and um, when I say how do you raise children osotro, um, it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean how do you make sure your children grow up to be osotro. 
it means, or what, what I'm getting at is, if you are also true, what is the appropriate way to raise your children? Are certain things okay and other things not okay? I do want to get into the how you expose them to religion. But um, to start out with, are certain things okay and certain things not okay? Uh, for example, in Ossetru, we don't believe that... Um, anyway, the way I take it, and, and I think the lore supports this, is we don't embrace things like um, breaking autonomy. So you couldn't put your kids in a tiny kid jail because that would kind of be against the morals of Ossetru. Well, aren't or, you going to anyway? You're going to put them in a crib. Well, I don't really think that's that's not quite a it's not quite a kid jail. Um, yeah, I am gonna put him in a kid, and though I joke about it being baby prison, it's 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 not really quite the same thing. Well, I mean, I was going to bring up the autonomy point, basically just stating what are the basic tenets for Osadru and how do you live that. And I think the most outstanding one is to not break autonomy, not lying. Um, I mean, we have something keep oaths, keep oaths. We have like the nine noble virtues, which is supposed to be based on the lore. You know, truth, honor, fidelity, discipline, hospitality, industry, uh, self-reliance, uh, per- perseverance, and yeah, that sort of thing. But loosely, loose on the lore. Yeah, right. But I mean, decent enough tenants there. I mean, do you just you would just want to live, like, daily. I mean, we, we go to bloats, and we talk about the lore, and we talk about what that means to us. It, it should be a continuing conversation. It shouldn't just be stuff fed to them and let them come to their own decision. That's basically, to me, what Asatru is, is you come to a conclusion yourself based upon what you're reading and how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say that you would do with your child. As soon as they're able to understand language, uh, you continue to talk to them about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, does it even come before they can understand language? I mean... Well, they're not people then, are they? Well, no, they're not people, they're I suppose. Human. They're human, they have the potential, but they're still not people yet. They, st- they need to develop. And yes, you want to be there to help them develop into that person or whatever person that they do eventually become, and maybe there's something to uh, say about that, like maybe expose them to a bit of the lore you read to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand there's not a lot you can do until they can exchange ideas with you. Well, that's true to an extent, but I was thinking about the different, and bear with me, I'll get to the point. I was thinking about the difference between... um murder which is um immoral you're not allowed to do it it it, it's wrong in the lore and killing which is okay and it happens and it's fine now one of the distinctions between murder and killing is if if you if you go up to someone and challenge them they're like um i'm i'm going to fight you i want to fight you to the death right now and they're like okay then that's okay one definition of murder is if you kill somebody in their sleep. So they're sleeping, you sneak up behind them, and you stab them in the face. Or probably the neck would be more efficient. But anyway, the point is, that's immoral because they had no knowledge that you were doing it. You didn't warn them first. They had no chance to defend themselves. 
Now, when you think about a child, especially one that's not even capable of language yet, a very small child, they're truly incapable of defending themselves. They don't have the faculties to tell you to stop or the ability to tell you to stop, and they really have no ability to defend themselves. So could the argument be made that you're not allowed to attack i.e. spank your children when they're very young and still be truly following the tenets of Ossetro. Well, number one, you should be hitting your kid for any reason, in my opinion. You well, are, you, you're yeah, breaking I, their autonomy at that point. I know in your opinion, and, and I agree with that, but I wonder if there is some clues that our lore and our religion is giving us about the treatment of children. It, it reminds me of something I've said a lot before. The way you should choose a religion is look at what your own morals are and your own values are and find a religion that meshes up nicely with those. There's the ancestry thing and everything else that can't be understated, but one of the things that I think is important in trying to decide which religion you're going to be is find one that agrees with the morals that you have. And I guess what I'm positing here is Asatru, as its morals, you know, if, if you look at it rationally and uh, take it to its logical conclusions, says that you're not allowed to hit your children, which happens to be one of my morals. And I know it's one of your morals as well. Do you think there's a case for that, though? The fact that we chose this simply because it matches up? With what we have, or what we think? Well, um, really, in this particular instance, um, is there a case that Ossetru morals really do say you shouldn't be beating your children? Um, based upon what I've read, it says very little on the handling of children. It says a lot more on how to deal with adults and other people. Yeah, you're right, but if we see... The thing that is in common in all of the situations where you can't harm a person, it has to do with a certain thing. You know, we can call it breaking your autonomy. Um, and we, I think you can really look at that murder example where it's wrong to murder and murder is considered when you like stealthily sneak up and kill someone. The only reason it would make sense for that to be different is killing, than killing is because the person does not get a chance to defend themselves. So if the principle is you can't kill someone who has no chance to defend themselves, couldn't we apply that? And wouldn't we have to, to have a logical system here, apply that to child rearing as well? If a child cannot defend herself, we're not allowed to hurt her. There's I think you'd have to say that. Another thing that you would go there that somebody has to comprehend why you're hitting them. I mean, you you don't just walk up and challenge somebody just for the hell of it. You're going to get a bad reputation, and people are not going to deal with you. And I, I don't know. Is it against the rules to just walk up and say, I want to kill you for absolutely no reason? That's actually a good question in and of itself, because it's not like the rule is written down somewhere spelled out like a philosopher would spell it out. But I will say in all of the lore and all of the sagas that I have read, and I mean, that's, I guess, mostly coming from sagas, the heroes always have a justification 
further challenges they make. And there is a particular saga, uh, interaction in Y'all Saga where he was confronted for something that, um, wasn't really his doing. They had a bad reason for challenging him and it was sort of implied in there that, you know, he won and it's like, oh, and it's even better because these people were sort of not, not totally legit because they didn't have a good reason to challenge him anyway. So definitely the feeling in there is you need some sort of justifiable reason to be challenging somebody in the first place. They hurt your honor, whatever, or, or killed something new or whatever. There is always a strong reason and people who have a, not even no reason, but people who have a bad reason seem to be cast in a more negative light. Okay, and when you challenge somebody, one, you have to have a reason, which you wouldn't for a baby, and two, you have to be able to communicate that reason to them. And functionally, I would say that until a certain level of development, you would functionally treat them like somebody who is perpetually asleep. They will never, no matter how many times you declare your reason, they're not going to be capable of comprehending it. So it would be like walking up to somebody who is asleep on the road in the middle of the day saying, I challenge you for this reason, it doesn't matter that you told them they're asleep. And it wouldn't matter that you tell a baby why you're hitting them. They're asleep. They're not capable of comprehending it. They are functionally an asleep human being until they're capable of being awake. And that takes an awful long time. I mean, even if they have a bit of language, you know, a five-year-old still is not a rational being who has the ability to have full autonomy bestowed upon them, usually. I'm sure there's instances where it's sure. happened, but for the most part, we generalize five-year-olds probably not going to be able to do that. Again, you go in there and you just, uh, you try to reinforce an aspect that, that they're doing is wrong, and doing so is limited in your ability to convey. And adding violence upon that is like standing over them like a giant, bewildering them as to why you are abusing them. And I do think Eagle killed his first man out. It was five or six, so he would certainly be a an exception to the rule. Well, I mean, you can kill somebody and still not have autonomy. Uh, he had autonomy, I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, of course, that was a saga. If it really happened exactly like that, would uh certainly be up for debate. I mean, a normal five-year-old couldn't pick up a battle axe and cut someone's head off with it either, so it was certainly a special case, to say the least. Yes. Um, but I liked Eagle, actually. Uh, Eagle Saga, that's a good one to read. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I was thinking. Um, and, and you said it earlier, Lauren, you're right, that the Lord doesn't spell everything out for you. It doesn't, and I mean, the nine noble nurture, nine noble virtues are nice because they, the, the goal of writing them was to take the things in the lore, the ideals that were in the lore, and simplify them into nine easy to remember, easy to understand little commandments. But the thing is, the Lord doesn't have commandments. We don't have a Ten Commandments like they do in the Bible. No. It's, and, it's, it's not and, there. And, you know, altogether, I think that's the best thing that we have going for us, is that we cannot live dogmatically. 
I mean, yeah. even if we have a bit of lore left over and we can read it and we can see kind of uh, the virtues that they may have been trying to give us from the past, they were spelled out to us by somebody who was not Osetru, who was not one to worship the northern gods or, you know, respect them or anything. It was just a matter of poetry, mm. which in of itself yeah. is... Is, is a fantastic thing that it even survived, but it is tainted by changing of language and changing of uh, hands who continued it on. So, I mean, even if a lot of these things that we read uh, show that we shouldn't do something, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the case, but consistently reading through the sagas and and the lore you can get a a decent idea of what our past ancestors were doing and how they felt about things so i mean yeah nothing dogmatic but we still have a pretty good idea and i think again the autonomy thing is very strong within that we are all individuals uh we all don't want to restrict another person um we challenge instead of just killing. Uh, we are ones who take another person's uh, personhood and respect that. And I think that should come into play when it comes in, comes for children. We should respect their ability to be themselves. However, we have to guide them. Um, yeah. that, that's where that kind of hard line comes into play, you kind of got to skirt back and forth between uh, making them do things and then letting them decide on their own. And I think it's a matter of just talking with them. And again, you can't do that until they have a full grasp of language. Right. So the early years are a little more difficult. Um, I, I do think it's an important piece of advice, maybe, for people to realize that just because, and it doesn't matter if it's our lore or not, I'm, I'm using our lore, but any system that you have, just because it doesn't say this in this situation is wrong doesn't mean you can say, oh, well, that means it's fine, you know. It doesn't have to say killing, it doesn't have to say beating up Bob from accounting because his mustache is funny is wrong. To be able to know that because you can extrapolate the principles that we do know out further and see what else they apply to. And I mean, any modern piece of technology or anything that happens in the modern world is another example of this. The Lord doesn't tell you how to behave yourself on the Internet. It doesn't say in a chat room, do this. And it doesn't say on the Internet, interact this way. It doesn't say piracy is OK. It doesn't say piracy is not OK. But that doesn't mean we can say Oh, well, free reign. You have to look at what the Lord does say, what it does say is okay and not okay, and extrapolate it to these more modern examples. And and that that was my goal when asking, how do we raise a child? How can we extrapolate what the Lord said um, into this situation? And certainly the Lord originally had something on raising kids, but it's been lost, so... Why bother worrying about finding it? Because you need a situation now. Because you have a kid now, not in 300 years when they find it, if they ever find it. So anyway, um, I, I think that you really can make a pretty strong case that says um, 
beating your kid is probably not an okay thing to do. And I really liked um, Alexander's example of, in essence, they're a person sleeping continually on the side of the road, and, and it would be wrong to to kill them. So uh, I'm going to move on to another something. Okay. These are some of these are. That's a big one. I think the corporal punishment is something every parent needs to discuss or consider if they're also true or not. And I suppose this was my argument for why also true people shouldn't spank, because I would think that also true people would would look to the lore as a a guide for their morality. Again, the lore isn't something that, that just you take on blind faith, but I would think if you're also true, you'd give it some weight and say, well, I should at least read it. So there's my argument for why you shouldn't hit your kids if you're also true. And we, if some, go ahead. Do we have lore on how they would treat their animals? Mm, not really a whole lot. I mean, I we have prey taxi, but that's an honored, that's an honored, uh, uh, animal. But you, you treat them best and with respect to the, their abilities. So, you wouldn't beat your dog, I don't think, unless it's attacking someone you don't want it to. Wouldn't, I wouldn't think you would beat your dog, but I think a dog is also, I mean, that would be harder because I think the analogy of a child being like a person who hasn't woken up yet very much makes sense where a dog will never, quote unquote, wake up. So you'd have... And also a dog would never have autonomy, so it's a little more difficult to make the case to not beat dogs. There is a certain respect for nature and a, uh, what's the word, understanding of the natural cycles. So I feel like if you wanted to say don't beat dogs in true, I would think the most effective way to say that is would be that we have a basic respect that we need to pay towards nature. And, and you that's can see what that in the... Well, that's what children are. They're, they're a natural thing that came into the world. They're, they're not tainted by anything yet. They don't have the language. They're just, for all intents and purposes, an animal at that point. I think... I could be wrong about this, but I think there is a lesson in not mistreating your tools and not being wasteful of what you have. Um, yeah, I think that was in the Have Mall recently that we read. Take the story of uh, when Thor lets some people eat his goats but says don't crack the bones oh, because yeah. that would cause permanent damage and that's going to damage something that's his and you... When using something that's someone else's, you don't damage it. Yeah. Um, I and think. Functionally, yeah, children, they're. What they are when they're babies is a form that will belong to them when they're adults. And if you cause them permanent damage as children, then you are damaging somebody at something that belongs to somebody else. Hmm. Ah, that's true. That's true. But um, the, yeah, I think that's a fair argument too. 
I like the sleeping analogy just because it's more, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it makes the acts more serious. You know, for example, if you were to kill someone, the penalty for that would be either very expensive as long as the family agreed or actually being ostracized, where the penalty for damaging someone's property is relatively minor, basically replacing the property or paying its fair value. It's good, though, that we have multiple viewpoints to see this from, because any one of these could be argued against, but the more you have on that side, the easier it is to explain that this would be incorrect to do if you were to live as the lore says. That's a good point. If somebody doesn't buy the children being defenseless, in essence, sleeping people, they might buy the you're not allowed to damage them because their future self owns that body. And just as Thor got mad when somebody ate the marrow from his goat, your your child would have every reason to be mad at you when they got old and found out they were damaged once they actually got their rationale day. And the thing is, there's all sorts of ways you can damage a child, and it doesn't have to be physical. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's something else to be aware of. Okay, now before I move on to the next topic, I just wanted to say, everybody out there listening to that, I understand this is a controversial subject, and I want to make it clear, these are just our own personal opinions. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. I feel like you have to come to that conclusion on your own. I think I have the right answer. I may or may not. You know, I believe pretty strongly in my answer. But I would never presume to tell other people how to raise their children. That said, if you have other ideas of maybe it's a good thing to beat your kids and the Lord supports it. It's a good thing to spank your kids and the Lord supports that. Send those in. I'd be very interested to hear some counter arguments, and um, I'll probably read them on the show because it, it would be interesting to see another perspective as well. And that's a Huguenot podcast at gmail.com. I mean, even under my rationality of your child belonging to the person that they will be, um, if it can be argued that not spanking your child gives them, makes them into less of a human than they would be later, that would be an argument for it. I think, generally speaking, that would be an incorrect assessment of the future person that they would be, but that's that's me. That's Yeah. But that they could make that argument in that way. Yeah. And and there may be other arguments based on the lore that I'm not thinking of, some story or the other where it says a certain something or other. So, yeah, I'd encourage the email because I'd like to see other perspectives. Um, but that's ours. We're pretty much in agreement on that one. Now, let's move on to excuse me. Let's move on to another one that I find interesting. And once this one gets in, I'll probably start discussing some more like religious sides of it. Um, the Santa Claus debate. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. When I was a kid. My parents told me that Santa Claus was real because that's what parents do. Uh, but when you think of Ossetrue, the worst thing you can do is break an oath. So right off the bat, we can say pretty confidently it would be wrong to take a sacred oath to your child that Santa Claus is real. 
Now, that seems rather extreme that you would take a sacred oath to your child that Santa Claus is real. So don't do that if you're Osatro. But why is oath taking so important? Again, I think we've talked about this. It does, again, kind of tie back in with autonomy that you're not letting them make their decisions. You're taking their decision, making power away by deforming the universe from what it actually is. Um, now, in case anyone was going to make this this uh, counter, it's not the same thing as teaching your kids Ossetru because you actually believe that. I can say, hey, Susie, Odin's the god of knowledge. He's real. He's there. You know, you can believe me or not, but he's there. I can say that and be fine because I believe it. I can't say... Santa Claus is real, and he's really coming down the chimney to give you presents because you were good this year. That is a lie. But the childhood innocence, what child didn't love to think about Santa Claus coming and get excited? Plus, what about what about, what about about their friends? Their friends are going to think Santa Claus is there. They'll see the joy in their eyes and get depressed, or they'll be like, oh, my dad says Santa Claus isn't isn't actually physically real. He's just a powerful idea set, which affects the world. And and then she's going to have no friends because they all hate her for ruining Christmas. Well, I would also say don't, if your friends believe in Santa, don't tell them they're wrong. Well, I mean, if people believe in God, are you allowed to tell them they're wrong? God as in the Christian yeah. God, so. Yahweh. Nah. Yeah, I don't know. Can't, well, I don't know. I mean, you can tell them they're wrong, but it's not going to be very productive. And well, neither would it be productive to tell yeah. other people Santa Claus is not real. I mean, but it would be, I'd say it, that would be... I mean, you just explain you, everything as it is. You go, okay, a lot of people tell their children that Santa Claus is real. Uh, it is not your decision at this time in your life to try to tell people uh, that what they're told is wrong. Yeah, but you know kids. I know. Their parents say something, they're going to spread it around. Well, you tell them exactly what to expect. You you explain everything, and you have yeah. them repeat it back and have them understand, because that is what you have to do. Otherwise, you're not treating them like a person. Well, now we're jumping the gun a bit. The debate also, is actually, should you tell your kids Santa is real or not? Oh, I say no. No, that's flat-out lying. You should only tell the children what you believe in and what other people might believe in. You have to give them everything you can, but you can't tell them any falsehood because that breaks their autonomy, and we've discussed that. But you, okay. just, you shouldn't lie to them. Just... It, it, Functionally, you should not lie to your children because it's going to reduce their trust in you. It's going to make you not a reliable source of information to them. And once they know you've lied to them, they're going to doubt everything else you say to them. Well, that's true. And I guess, because I like pulling this back to Ostertruth since it's an Ostertruth podcast when I can, um, and there is obviously a big influence on the family. And and I, I don't think it's a healthy family in which the children don't trust the parents. 
and the children can't trust the parents if they've been lying to them their whole lives. And we want to do Santa Claus anyway, because, I mean, they sort of derive from some of the characters in our lore, but uh, not entirely, and he's very different. I mean, you ce- we celebrate Yule, and it's different. It is different. We so, don't we don't so. have Santa Claus. We have 12 days. <clears throat> There's some similarities, but it it's different, too. And, and what I think I'll actually do is celebrate Yule and mention Santa Claus as something other people believe, but that we don't personally believe. I mean, you're going to have to do that anyway, because you're the the religion you're in and we're in and deal with is something that most people don't are, are not aware of, and they're going to experience other cultures immediately as soon as they join school. Mm, that's true. Or just talk to anyone. I mean, well, yeah. Even prior to school, if you're going to put your kids in school, if just you know on the playground, oh, that your four-year-old runs into some other kid on the playground, and that kid's talking about Santa. Yeah. Well. Your kid's not going to think there's going to... Your kid's going to say... I don't know how, what they're going to say, but you're going to have told them, okay, Santa is a fun little story that some people talk about, and some people are silly and tell their children that it's real. Yeah. Even though they know it's not real, that there isn't a Santa. And don't spoil it for them. Right, right, something like that. Well, I don't know. We could be, well, as far as your kids getting exposed to other things, it's like, I just have to wait till the first family reunion. And my mom's like, Santa is real, and so is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your dad's lying to you. Be Christian, you get presents. So, you know, they're going to come across it. But that does actually lead very well into the next thing I want to discuss, which is... um. Well, let's let's start with the easier one first. Do you expose your children to other religions? Yes. Seems pretty obvious. Yeah. Of I course don't think you, do. you could not. I mean, well, there's no helping it. I mean, you could get a commune together full of other Ossetru <laughs> people, and that's that's all they could ever be exposed to. But that's actually committing some sort of atrocity because obviously there's a greater world out there. Right. Right. Well. Okay. Yeah. I guess I could be a cult, but obviously that's not going to happen. Um. And I actually have even picked out some people from other faiths I want to uh, introduce my kids to when they're old enough to talk and all of that. You know, people I think who really understand it. I've got a Christian friend and a Buddhist friend. And I don't have any, like, um, Hindu friends yet. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I want to introduce them to that. Even within this kindred, we all experience and understand the gods differently. So. Yeah. If you were to continue to have bloats, then they are going to be exposed to different ideas and cultures just in that. Well, different. True, but it's it's not the same thing as talking to a preacher or a rabbi or a Zen master. You know, yeah. someone well, who's really established and firmly believes in the religion that they're a part of. I mean... Don't you and your wife even have a different understanding? It's very similar anymore. It, it, it in time, our understanding has become more similar, but we we have a few different ideas still. Yeah, 
I mean, okay, so we I've talked about this before. I I call myself also true because I am, but I also call myself atheistic because I have that as well. Uh, the deities to me are internal, and that's completely different than your aspect, which is all external in a world of ideas. Yeah. So me coming to them and telling them, well, well, I don't know what I'm going to say to them really because I really respect your opinion for how you wish to have them exposed to anything. But if they were to ask me and you gave me the permission to do so, I would tell them how I experience and do everything that I do as I work with the gods and how I handle the world with that. Right. Well, right. But what I'm saying is um, even though we don't see the gods exactly the same, I would consider both of us Osakro. Now, I actually plan to introduce them to Christians and Buddhists, those are the most obvious too, because I have friends of both those religions who actually really understand them and you know study the Bible and study the history of Siddhartha. They're very familiar and, and they can give a good representation to the kid of, well, you know, this is what we believe. And this, oh, well, and you know, my Christian friend is like, this is the only truth and everything else is a lie and you're going to hell. But I mean, that's just. His perspective, which is a perspective, and I want my kids to be aware of it. I want them to have some basis of 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 where it's coming. Would you so, allow them to go to church with them? Does the kid want to go to church? So that's your answer. They might want to. I mean, it would be an interesting experience. I never liked it, but what, that's me. <laughs> I never liked church all that much. I got I made to go to church when I was young, and... To me, it was a thing that you did on the weekend instead of something you wanted to do, and right. they droned at you, and then they put you in a room with other right. kids. Right. And So, yeah, if, if my kid wants to go to church, I think that's her right. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not like, man, we're off You're not allowed to leave. I mean, that's not productive. The thing is, Ossetru was not the only religion I experimented with. And even though the other ones didn't pan out, I don't think they were useless. I have a better understanding of Christianity than I would than I would have if I had never been introduced to it, and that's useful in certain scenarios. If nothing, if nothing other than to give myself a foil, uh, Buddhism actually had a lot of very useful techniques and um, philosophies in it. I agree with the philosophy of buddhism for the most part i just don't take it as far as as the religious part i couldn't have that be my religion but i experimented with that and just for the meditate meditative techniques i think it's good that i experimented with that so i would not tell my kid no you're not allowed to be going to church you're not allowed to read the bible you're not allowed to read the I don't know, whatever. You're not allowed to read the sutures or... No, my kid can read whatever she feels like, and if she wants to go to church, then that's fine. She has every right to do that. Or if she wants to go to synagogue or wherever she wants to go, obviously I'm going to be okay with that. What about other folkish religions? Like, would you... I mean, not everybody has an ancestry that connects with the Asatru gods. And I would assume that as we are all basically European, but we have other uh, things within us, would you allow them to experiment with those different sides? 
that, and even if she does raise a fuss, is up to the person she wants to go to. If she wants to go join, um, I don't know, some, some folkish Shinto temple, if such a thing there is, which certainly there is, and they say, well, I, I don't think you're Japanese, you're not allowed in. I'm going to stand by that person's decision. But if the religious group allows her, you know, what I'm saying is I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm like, oh, you're a racist because you won't let her in. I'm not going to question the religious leader's um, decision in that situation. But if they say, well, yeah, sure, you can come into our folkish Shinto temple. If she wants to do that, I will let her do it. I would also sit down and mention that we don't actually have any Japanese in our past. Um, if she wanted to join like a Native American folkish organization, I'd let her do that. And I'd actually be more supportive because at least there is a very, very small amount of Native American blood in um, in our family, at, at least on Lauren's side. I don't know about my side. Rumors of it on my side, but there is some on Lauren's side. And um, a very small amount. But if she wanted to experiment with that, then no, I'd be fine with that. Or maybe she wanted to go to a folkish Celtic organization because we have a decent amount of that in our uh, family history. Then, yeah, she'd be able to do any of those. So but you're saying that you're more you would be more happy with them in a folkish way that was part of their ancestry. What I'm saying is folkish means following your ancestors. So if you don't have the ancestry to follow, it seems like it's not really folkish at that point in time. Right, and I understand that, but you also were stating how you would be even more happy if they were to follow a, a folkish way. Okay, uh, what do you mean by a folkish way? I think I, when... I, I think Alexander here used it in a way where he was trying to imply that we have mixed blood. I'm saying that, yeah, I mean, I probably have more Celtic in me than I do Nordic, but that's not the one I connected with. And it would make more sense to, if if she finds, say, a group of Native American Celtic, a Native American folkish religion, and that's the one she connects with, that would make I agree with you that 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 would make more sense than a Shinto one or the stories from Africa because I don't think you have the blood for that. No, I don't think you have a connection. And and that was my point. Um, If she wants to go to a a folkish religion that is of her folk and it happens to not be Osotro, you know, the northern path, like the Celtic one would be most plausible because. We have a decent amount of that. Um, I'd be fine with that, too. You know, that's going to be some spiritual searching that she has to do on her own. But I think you, you're basically saying you're fine with whatever they do because it's their decision. Yeah, bottom line, if she becomes a Catholic, let's just say the church changes. If she becomes a, a, a Catholic priest, I'm still going to support her and love her as my daughter. It's a girl, by the way, if I didn't tell you, listeners. Um I no. think it's been implied from you saying she yeah, yeah, mentioned children. That's probably true. Um, 
Uh, hey, actually, it's really good because it breaks me of uh, that sexist language that I don't like getting into, calling all gender neutrals he's. When I have a daughter, I'm calling them she's. Anyway, um, if she becomes a Catholic priest or let's just say girls are allowed to do that, I'm still going to support her and I'm still going to love her as my daughter. She has every right to be whatever religion she wants to be. And I think I'm pretty firm on that one. And see, this just covers the whole, hey, we respect autonomy above just about everything. Yeah. Now, I think we're pretty much on board on that one. Here's actually the trickier one. Here's the one I'm actually more concerned about. Okay, so I've decided I'm going to have a very small naming ceremony. She's a baby. She won't remember it. What about bloat? I mean, it. I think it's a fair question to say if you have a child and you are also true, you perhaps want them to be also true, but you don't want to force them to be also true. Should you invite them to your bloats? And if you do, are you obligated to take them to church to give them the other side? I would take this perspective that you behave in the same way that you would for anybody you might consider inviting into the kindred. Or inviting to a bloat. Hey, we're going to have a bloat today. You want to come join us? Well, no, well, or actually, if they ask, then you give more information. But don't assume that everybody should go to bloat. And if if she is curious then, and gets more information, then, yeah, Certainly invite her if she's interested, but I wouldn't broach it. She's just another person who you've obligated yourself to raise. I mean, the problem, though, is you have to watch them at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... And if they're not there, you know, what do you do, lock them in their room? Yeah, so... Hope they don't hurt themselves? Honestly, I, I say bring them to blow. They do not have to participate, but you have to keep your eye on them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, up to a certain point, if they're like 13 or whatever, I mean, younger than that, probably like 7, they don't have to go out with you anymore. But at a certain point, you know, up to a certain point, you have to keep them near you. So, right. yeah, I could see a baby in a in a in a wrap you're holding in your arms during bloat. Well, we were, I was actually talking to Lauren about that. I was like, um, um, by the way, Bloats will probably be inside as soon as we have her, for obvious reasons. Aww. Except on nice nights. We'll go out on nice nights, but I don't know how many of those there will be. Yeah, winter's just around the corner. And I can't take a baby out in, like, 30-degree weather. It's, no, it's, no. You can't. You can't do that. It's, it's, it's not safe. Um. Yeah, um... The mix you are of various ancestries probably does not in, include a significant resistance to the cold. I mean, I recently interacted with somebody who half no um uh oh what's the word um uh, you know from the countries like Norway, Sweden, Scandinavia, Scandinavian. Somebody whose kid is half Scandinavian lineage, and the kid loves the cold and hates being overly warm. Like, going outside playing in snow, 
some kids can get away with colder weather than others, but probably not a baby so much. Yeah, even a baby. <laughs> yeah, like a newborn, you wouldn't want to be out in 30 degree weather. And well, think about how our ancestors probably raised their children. I mean, they were probably inside with the mother and not outside. Well, I mean, honestly, back then, nobody went out in the cold. Except when they had to, you know, get wood and stuff. When so, when you're slightly older, though. You, you so know. what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, yeah, bring bring him to blow. No participation necessary. Eventually, they'll be old enough to be able to look after themselves. They at that point can decide whether or not they wish to participate. I mean, I think they will. Kids just naturally want to do what their parents. Oh, that's true. That's true. And I I think that's a fair. I think that's fair. You know, another one, and I'll probably do it that way, and another one that concerns me is uh, I thought it would be cool if I read the lore to uh, my daughter. You know, bedtime stories. Um, and and I thought it'd be neat, especially when they're a little baby, because they, a lot of it's just the sound of your voice, of um, reading bedtime stories and stuff to them. It's like, oh, man, I could read like little pieces of the lore and stuff like that. I could see the argument where from a very young age, you're pushing your beliefs onto this child by reading her bedtime stories, which are the lore. Except for the fact that you have to. You're responsible for trying to make them into a person. If you, you're, and they're part of you and the part of your wife. And they're continuing on where you left off. Yes, eventually they get to decide what they are going to be, but that's going to be based upon what you gave them. And if that's what you like to read and that's what you like to think about, yeah, you want to give that to them. I mean, I, when I had a child, I would read them the stories that I liked. Also, it seems like a really convenient way to uh, be reading the lore in a consistent way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, that's true. <laughs> it would be really good. I need to read more lore than I do, so uh, it would be good just to get into the habit. Yeah, I think that's fair, too. Plus, you kind of get this thing, it's like, oh, you're reading him Winnie the Pooh. Stop forcing Winnie the Pooh on him. It's like reading the dictionary and be neutral. I mean, Winnie the Pooh is Christian, so... Okay, I don't really read Winnie the Pooh. I always liked Dr. Seuss when I was a kid. And I got her a Dr. Seuss book. One don't fish, push fish, your Seussian ways on your child. Uh, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's an argument. I suppose, though, as uh, Lore said, you have to read them something, and the thing that you are reading them is like the thing, the stories that you like and the stories that you enjoy as an extension of yourself, sort of. And when they're older, they can just decide on their own. Right. Because otherwise, what would you do? You would have to read them the dictionary, because everything else is biased. Plus, I think. Oh, well, yeah. actually, you're probably right. So you'd have to create a pseudo-random. No, actually, technically, I think you could get away with pseudo-random. Just create a pseudo-random word generator. Which no, because then even if you made it yourself, you'd have to put the words in pseudo-random letter generator, which creates gobbledygook. Can you just treat that to them? Well, I it's mean, like, you, could do, you could do a pseudo-random generator that searches all books throughout the world and get a random book that way. Okay, this is a bit of a silly tangent. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Okay, so 
I think that makes sense. I I suppose. Um, and you don't have to just read her the lore. I mean, oh, there no, are, I won't. There I'm going to read a Doctor Source too. And you don't have to justify it. Again, you're the parent. You have the final say on what your child is exposed to, and you can expose them to whatever you want. They're an extension of you until they develop their own personalities. And you can pull a an, a Shyamalan or a um a, what's his name Neil Gaiman and make up stories for your kid if you get incredibly bored with the you know reading the lore. I mean there is a limited resource, and mm. eventually your That's kid's gonna know them the all, and they're gonna want a new story. And they they inherently want to know more about you. And I wouldn't necessarily want to read them all the the princessy fairy tales. Where getting rescued. I mean, well, there's that. The Lord, yeah, there's the shield maidens and that's Valkyries, and you know, you can make your own stories up. Yeah, that's true. Um, I suppose there's sort of a tightrope you walk as a parent, which, or, or I assume I'm not a parent yet, um, but I've been thinking about it. Obviously, on one hand, you want to pass on this knowledge that you have amassed in your life. And in my case, and in the theme of this podcast, I want to teach my child about the gods. I want to teach her about Ossetru, and I want to give her some of my techniques that have been helpful through meditation and everything else, that the ways to to contact the gods and... Um, just the stuff that I've learned. So so on one hand, I want to pass all this stuff down and share all this stuff with my child. But on the other hand, I want her to have the freedom to come to her own conclusions and do her own work and everything else. Um, if Just because I don't want her, I don't want to force her to believe what I did. And I've taken it a kind of as a as a a thing I'm proud of that I can say I'm not the religion of my parents and not just because I'm being rebellious but because that proves that I'm not some religion just because my parents were there is some other reason there is something significant in the religion itself that makes me be this religion I chose to be this religion and I can say it with great confidence because I didn't start out as this religion. I started out as Christian, and I'm not that anymore. Well, then Whereas, you should raise your child Christian. Well, right. Right. I should raise my kid Christian so she can come to the conclusion on her own. But the thing is, in all seriousness, if she does continue being Ossetro, which would be cool, for one thing, it would be neat to have her upload if she chooses to stay with my kindred for a significant amount of time um that would be cool but she can't say i'm not the religion of my parents all of a sudden that argument works on her too she's like well yeah i am the religion of my parents but i've thought about it on my own as well is what i would hope would be the case obviously well again autonomy takes time to come into play that's um, true so i mean they may but, not come but to the, it until much later, and you gotta let that happen, but you still have the right to tell them anything you want, just like you have the right to say anything to anyone else you want, who's willing to sit there and listen to you. If you wanted to, you could sit down with somebody and read the Lord to them. I mean, yeah, the baby has less ability to move away from you. That's true. 
but you well you could see where it goes too far let's say for example i said um oh i don't know an example i'm bad at these last minute examples sometimes but i had a a rule in my house where if you said i believe in the god you get a cookie i could have that rule I could have a rule where you're not allowed to hang out with other kids unless they're also true or at least some other non-mainstream religion. They can't be Christian. No Christian friends. I could have that rule. Those are rules that I could have, but I think those rules are unjust. And now, at, as a Gothi, if I wanted to offer free cookies to everybody who converts to also true, you know, I don't really think there's a moral problem with that. It's like, okay, cookies whatever no big deal but when it's your kid i feel like that is really pushing your beliefs on her way too far well i mean they so are that's a captive the audience they are which is why you have to be more careful than you have to be with people who are um that you meet on the subway they're sort of a captive audience too but uh not not to the same extent with the subway. You know, they can get up and walk away. Your kid can't necessarily just get up and and walk away from you. And I mean, would you agree with me, actually both uh, Laura and Alexander, if I had a rule that was every time you say, I'm also true, or I believe in such and such a God, I get you, she gets a free cookie. Would Would that be wrong? Would that be too far? It, 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 you'd just be training her to say something to get something. Yeah, you're not actually letting them become also true. They would just be saying they are. Sort of like, you know, I was raised Christian. For the longest time, I said I was Christian, even though it didn't really mean anything to me. It was just, I went to church, I did the things, I went to school. Anybody mentioned what religion they are, I was like, I'm a Christian! And, you know, occasionally there were behavioral limits put by the brand of Christianity I was in. And I would say, oh, no, I can't do that thing. Okay. But you weren't really Christian, and she wouldn't really be Ossetro. No, she'd just be saying she was because she had been trained to say that. And I I feel like even that training is going too far. I don't... Oh, I, I agree. I mean... And quite frankly, I don't think there are as many Christians in the world as the statistics would imply, because most people are just trained to say they are, and trained to think that the morals of that that they're told come from Christianity necessarily come from there. Just because just because you you get from Christianity that you shouldn't go around killing people. Hmm. Never mind the whole going around killing people saying that you're supposed to do it if you're Christian. Most people don't anymore. But the point is that just because they get stuff from it and they, they follow it because it seems to work. They got, don't, they got the Ten Commandments from Christianity and because they think the Ten Commandments are a decently good thing, they go along with saying, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian. And they're not. And it would be bad to indoctrinate your kid to say that she's also true just because she agrees with the moral principles she gets from it, even though they're moral principles that you could probably get from most religions. Like, yeah. don't go around attacking people needlessly. Right, right. Pointlessly. Don't and, and... hit people. Don't, don't lie to people. Right. I mean, 
there are instances when you might want to lie. Like if there's a some somebody with a chainsaw who says, "Show me where your wife is. Show me where your wife and yeah. child are. I'm going to kill them with this chainsaw." I'm going to lie in that situation. Yeah, and I, I wonder, I don't know what would be moral to do in that situation. I wonder if um, you could call it self-defense, lying in self-defense. I, I don't feel like it would be ridiculous to make the claim you were lying in self-defense. Well, I don't, I, I don't think that you have, you, the situation has lost morality already. You're not responding to a moral behavior. So, mm, yeah, yeah. Somebody's trying to kill you. It, it, it's generally speaking wrong to attack people, but it's perfectly fine to hurt somebody who's trying to hurt you. That's the response is perfectly fine. And I'd say probably preferable. You know, somebody tries right. to attack you. You defend yourself. If you kill them, Oh well, they were trying to kill you. Right. They sort of volunt they've sort of uh surrendered their personhood rights once they violated yours. They've broken they the contract already. They deprived you of the capacity to live and not hurt them. Right. Well yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't be wrong to do that. Because they're not guaranteed by that social contract we have anymore because they broke it. So I, I think you could lie to them in that case. Uh, the thing, um, excuse me, there's of course other situations where you want to lie because if you say, if you say, um, something, jeez, uh, I'm horrible at these examples tonight. If you say, um, I already paid for those cookies, then you get the cookies for free. And that would be a situation where it would not be okay to lie. Um, but you're right. A lot of these religions end up having very similar morals. And there's, what? Oh, never mind. Sorry. There's just certain things that are sort of universally moral or universally immoral, you know, like lying, killing people for no reason without telling them first. I mean, yeah. So, so most religions you find will have most religions you find will have some morals that you can live with that are good morals, but it doesn't mean that the religion is necessarily a good there one. There are the right basic one. behaviors that make living in society possible, and most religions are going to agree with those certain rules, and you're going to get them from almost any religion you go into, or you're raised in, or any of that. And I'd say a lot of people mistakenly attribute those morals to that religion rather than just being, you know, that's a human thing to do. Right. It's a human thing to do to not attack everyone you see. Right. And well, Ossetru says, don't go attacking people for no reason. Christianity says, don't go attacking people for no reason. I mean, they give, don't kill. they give a lot of reasons why you can go attack people. Yeah, they do. Christianity, like, you know, disagreeing with them, but... Yeah. Well, the point is that most of them say, don't do these things, and they're just basic human things. Well, it reminds me of um, one of my favorite things that Socrates said is uh, he was having an argument with somebody, and, and basically the point came down to um, are things, and he was talking about the great gods, of course, 
is something immoral because the gods say it's immoral or do the gods say something is immoral because it's immoral and i think it's the latter if the gods say attacking people unprovoked is immoral that's not where the morality comes from if the gods say breaking an oath is immoral that's not where the morality comes from it doesn't come from the fact that gods uttered it it comes from the fact um it's immoral and the gods realize that and they're sharing it with us they're telling us they're like hey we figured it we figured this out breaking oaths is immoral so theoretically any folk way and probably most folk ways will come to the same conclusions it's immoral to break an oath and it, it just is the gods are telling us because they figured it out so another folk way their gods will figure out breaking an oath is immoral and and most religions say don't lie which is is along the same lines a lie is the same principle of breaking an oath just lying is less severe than oath breaking so yeah any religion that you have unless it's something that's just made to be rebellious that doesn't really have any roots in history are going to have good morals but yeah it it doesn't mean it's the right religion it just means that it found the right morals and what i'm getting back to is that if you train your kid to say that she's also true without her actually getting any getting any connection to it one she's not really also true just sort of like i think there are a lot of people who are not really christian uh, it's just they're tra- you would be training her to say that and i'd say depriving her of the ability to get a connection to also true properly i yeah, I, th- i think you might be right actually i think that would be hurting her i so i wouldn't do the here's a cookie every time you say you're also true right so i guess the trick as a parent is finding that line and asking where you draw it i don't even yeah. think there's a line um the information is there she's definitely going to have more information on also true just from being raised in your household knowing the people that you do than most people and probably than most religions and then you know as she goes out in the world more she's going to have access to a whole lot of versions of christianity that's just necessarily being raised in this country she's going to have an understanding some understanding of christianity you have a buddhist friend she's going to get at least what she gets from absorbing being around that person right well i don't hang out with him very often so i'm going to have to make that one a special point when i'm like we should talk about buddhism and let my kid listen because seriously i talk to him like i don't know twice a year it's not very often but yeah operant conditioning probably not the best method yeah yeah and i did i'd agree with that and i wasn't planning on doing that some of the other ones are more gray area like loads and and um when do they come and i think as a baby just for practical purposes they're going to have to come but i won't have them participate and i probably just and when when she gets old enough i think i'm going to when she gets old enough to talk and stuff like that i'm probably going to say like hey look we do bloats 
You don't have to do them. You can go play Minecraft if you want, but you're welcome to do them too. You know, it's up to you, whatever. Um, and then, you know, as she gets really older, like sevens and eights, we can talk more seriously, like, well, you know, you really don't have to come to this. Is it something you believe? And et cetera, et cetera. I don't even know if you can have belief at eight. I don't think your brain is developed enough. I mean, we watch those videos of those uh, Christian gatherings of children, mm-hmm. and you know that they don't have a thought of their own. They're just forced to act that way. And, and they may believe it, but that's only because they were told to. Mm-hmm. They, they had somebody in authority tell them that this is the case. Uh, it might be true. But my thought at seven or eight is I just say, hey, do you want to come to this thing or not? You know, whatever. It's up to you. Show up if you feel like it. I I don't... The thing is, if I had a person ask me, I want to be Ossetra, I want to join your kindred, and I was like, okay, do you you believe in the gods in some way? It can be different for everyone. Uh, Do you believe in the idea of folkishism? You know, the idea of, uh, regardless of your race, returning to your ancestors, do you believe in that? If they said to me, no, I don't. I'd be like, oh, our kindred might not be the right place. But if my child is in, unable to have beliefs, do I give her the same response? Be like, oh, you don't have true beliefs, so no, you're not allowed to come. Lock you in your room. You know, I feel like in those situations, it's it's a little different. And honestly, if a kid asked to come to my bloat, I'd say no. Whoever's, you know, if some kid contacts me on the internet, and I'm talking like, well, we have a rule that you... That, that you just don't get invited if you're under 18. Um, so if a kid came to me and said, can I be in your ch- kindred? Can I just show up? I'd say no. Well, but what, my, if the parent, what if the parent is coming to bloat and they have kids and they want them to participate? What would you say then? The parent can bring their children. Um, that That isn't the rule. But I don't consider the children as, as actual members, but if they want to participate... That's between the parent and the child, and then I'm fine if they do it. But if you say treat the child like you treat everybody else, I can't because if a kid without parents came to me and said, can I be in bloat, I'd say no. Okay. Whereas my child, I'm not going to be like, you know, if they can believe it or, or, or not, I'm not going to turn them down and be like, no, go to your room. Uh, I'm just going to let them make that decision if they want to show up or not once they're capable of actually taking care of themselves to the extent that they won't harm I themselves could, that they're not being yes, decision yes. to. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think it's been an hour, hasn't it? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, this, this was an interesting conversation. We may even revisit it when my wife is around or maybe after I've had a kid and have some first-hand experience. I don't know yet. Um, so last uh, final thoughts before we close. Also true and children, anything you want to say, Lore? Uh, autonomy, don't break it. Uh, if the kid wants to do something uh, within reason, as long as they're not harming themselves, you should probably let them explore that. So they can be themselves. If they want to, if they say they wish to participate in bloats, hey, cool, 
As for reading lore to them, that's up to the parent, and if you wish to do that, that's fine. I mean, again, we need to transfer knowledge to the next generation, and part of your knowledge is the lore. I mean, if that's all you focus on, that's going to be a bit dull for them. So move it around a little bit is my suggestion. But do things that you enjoy, and hopefully they'll enjoy it as well. Okay. And Alexander? Stick to your principles. I mean... Raising children is an interesting interpretation of how you have to interpret your principles in different ways than you would with fully-fledged, you know, adult people, but just stick to them. If, if your principle is don't go attacking people for no reason, no reason, don't lie to people who aren't trying to hurt you or people you care about, then don't go hitting your kid for no reason. Don't lie to your child unless they're trying to hurt somebody you care about. Like, I don't know. That, that's an interesting question, but we are out of time. So I'd say just stick to your principles and follow what you believe in and expose them. Don't hide yourself from them, but don't force your beliefs on them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I, I agree with both of those and, and, um, I think that's the balance I'm going to attempt to come to as a parent is don't hide from them. Don't pretend you're not Ostro. And you know, if there are other Ostro parents out there, don't pretend you're not Ostro. But on the other hand, don't just like shove it down their throat. If you're the type of person, as I often am, who will um, strike up a conversation about the gods with my wife, don't feel like you can. I, I don't. I don't think I should feel like I can't do that because I have kids and I might be biasing them. <clears throat> but on the other hand, I'm not going to start talking about the gods 24/7 now that I have a kid. Um, so yeah, it's a balance, but uh, you know, yeah, it's it's the same rules, and 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 I like the subject because. It lets you take some things in the lore, like like we did with the murder thing, and say, let's apply these to something different. Let's take the principles that are in the lore and apply them to different things like child-rearing. And um, the biggest one, a huge, huge thing in Ossetru is family. It always talks about family being important, family being the number one thing. And now that I'm actually going to have a child, I really get to practice that firsthand. Now, I have a duty, you know, from the lore, from the gods, from the religion that says this new family I'm creating is my number one priority. So I am actually looking forward to uh, doing the best I can to fulfill that duty. So, yeah, having kids, it's a lot to think about, but uh, hopefully a good thing. Okay, and that was our show today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um we said a lot of stuff, and a lot of it could have been controversial. So now would be a great time to write in with questions or comments. And the email address is huganhoffpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find that at the website huganhoff.org. There are a variety of email addresses scattered around there. They all come to me, so use whatever one you want. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. For all hail. Rahel.